This is Senior Pastor Anthony A. Jackson of the Realm of Agape Christian Church presenting our Salt and Light Sermon and Teaching Series. The Holy Ghost is trying to teach us how to define according to God's vocabulary. We need to know God's vocabulary. My God, that's what the Holy Ghost is trying to make us look at today. Learn how to define life from God's vocabulary. My God, he's going to show us how to do that. But first, we got to do like in the prayer when we were invoking the presence of the Lord with the song, I need thee. Uh, We can't live without the Lord. We need him. Amen. I'm going to be in Matthew 5 today as we are moving by his spirit, exalting his name, following where he's leading us. The good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, he led us to this point in our series. He's helping us to define in a referendum of review to seal the deal of this series. We're looking for him to open up the sinews, the profound sinews of our mind, something that's fallow in the soil, hasn't been broken. Some part in us has not been broken. And you're going to be walking around sad all the time instead of happy in Jesus. When you get real deep in the Lord, it makes you kind of look happy-go-lucky sometimes, and folks are looking at you, uh, uh, don't you ever have a down moment? But uh, I will go in my prayer closet. We don't need to let them see all of that. And we go to Jesus. We say, I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. I cannot bear these burdens alone. We got to go in the closet and sing to him. Amen. In my distress, he will deliver. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. I must tell Jesus. You can't tell everybody everything. I must tell Jesus, even the Bible said, it stipulates, go to those who are spiritual. My God, if you don't, my God, you're going to have a problem because they're going to put it all up on Facebook and everything. My God, they're going to become the town crier in the digital world. Virtual town criers. They're going to, amen, have that kind of spirit that just wants to regurgitate everything without any kind of wisdom at all. The way they treat themselves, that's how they're going to treat everybody else. We're going to get to that part in the word. My God, Matthew 5, 13 through 20. I thank God for this scripture. Thank God for all of you. And uh, let the Holy Ghost talk to you. The Holy Ghost wants you to remove masks of pretense. Remove uh, those ambitious thrusts of somewhat skating on the surface of covetousness. Oh, I want this, I want that. Even in the spiritual religious world, I want this, I want that. I want this title, I want that title. I want to be able to do that and do this. We see somebody at the place where we want to get to and we want to get what they got. There was an old movie, single white female. She, uh, one girl 
brought a roommate in and she looked okay, seemed nice, but then she started trying to take over, my God. Wanted to dress in the girl's dresses and sneak and wear her jewelry and everything. Steal her man. My God, <laughs> this is the kind of heart we have when we're born naturally into this world. We're all about ourselves. We're self-centered. But Jesus is working overtime by his spirit to save us from that. He needs us to redefine life according to his holy standard. And look at what Jesus calls us in this verse. My God, he says, you are the salt of the earth. He's talking to saved folk. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. He goes on to say, you are the light of the world. It's another metaphor. First, uh, he personified salt. The qualities of that we are if we're in him. And the qualities of light, we are that in this world. See, salt comes from the ground, salt of the earth. My God, and Jesus said, I am the what? Light of the world. He said, you're going to be what? Light of the world. Not a friend of the world. The world is dark, so you have to be the what? Light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. But they don't do that, do they? Do they hide it? Instead, they put it on its stand, a candle stand, right? And it gives light to everyone in the house. Jesus goes on to say, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. It's not just being a goody two-shoes, but being moved by the Holy Ghost because faith without works is a dead faith. The Holy Ghost will put you to work, and you will do godly things. They may see your good deeds and glorify you. No, it says your Father, not in hell, in heaven, because we trade it now. God adopted us, took us from the pit of hell, and he adopted us. He orphaned us from hell, and he adopted us. And now we could call him Abba. It means daddy. We have an intimate relationship. We're not just a field hand, uh, one who has been hired, but we are in the family. Jesus goes on now to verse 17 to explain to them regarding the Old Testament tied in uh, into the New Testament. It's a journey of development. And we're not throwing away the old. That's the landmark. That's our floor, flooring, right? It, it's uh, the foundation whereupon we build. He said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. He's talking about the parts of the Bible they had already. Because now this New Testament is being written. So they had the Old Testament, right? I have not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them. It's a journey. It's a development. He's taking us through a longitudinal journey of faith so that we could see the full picture. 
Uh, he is now uh, the prophecy come to life. We could see what the prophets were talking about. Jesus is now that living word walking the earth. That's how he's fulfilling everything. He said, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Will the word accomplish what it is set out to do? The Bible says it will. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And there's a comma right there because there's more coming. There's a contrast coming with uh, the word but. Now, this least in the kingdom of heaven, people misconstrue that. They define it incorrectly. All of us are going to make it in. But watch on the end of this all the clauses come to an end. You're going to see that's not so. He says, but whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, because those boys knew, knew it back and forth. They knew, they knew every jot and tittle. Yes, they did. Every piece of the letter, all the strokes were counted. And as they counted the strokes, if the count was off, they went back and checked. That's what the scribes were able to do. My God and the Pharisees uh, come from that lineage, and that's part of their team. And they know every bit of the Old Testament and what it meant. But not all of them allow the word of God to, to, come, to become a living word in them. They also should have allowed the Holy Ghost to come in and to unlock the door of their understanding so that they could receive the promise. The promised Savior, the Messiah, Jesus, was supposed to become a living source for them, not just words on a page. But that's what they had, and they were good at it. Jesus is saying, you got to surpass all of that. If you don't, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to be born again. You have to be intimate with God, not just go to church school, Sunday school, learning things, learning information. But are you intimate with God? Do you know his voice when he is speaking? You know, we are not born naturally knowing exactly how to live in complete agreement with the creator's eternal expectations. Our bodies and souls are alive as we are born biologically speaking, but our spirit is dead. We are spiritually born dead, my God. And we're in need of regeneration by the Holy Spirit. That condition renders us unholy, estranged from our creator, lacking the essence of his glory. See, that's the disorder of this world that we live in, which sin caused. 
as man became a shell of a being after our ancient ancestors, Adam and Eve, submitted to the fallen nature of the devil. That's what happened to us. But there's good news. So you can't speak good news without telling the whole story. That's what people do in the modern world. They want to skip past the bad news. You need the backdrop. No, but everybody want to be the lead singer. We need a background. Come on, even painting has a background and a foreground. Come on, somebody. Even filmmakers know that. You need a background and the foreground, don't you? People forget about the background, the history. Thank God, Lisa and I have history. First, we had our own personal histories. And some of those histories had to be sanctified. And then he was uh, enabling us to have a get-together. The get-together couldn't happen until God had to help her get right. It took longer for her because she's, no, I'm just kidding. I think it took longer for me because I'm older. See, I can't get out of that one. So, amen. But all of us had our kind of whatever toe up it was. Because all of us are born and shaped in iniquity. It was hard to find it on Lisa. I had a microscope. I couldn't find hardly nothing. Thank God. Till her big lip opened. Then I knew. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> she already know about my big lip. I had to learn how to use my lips so it wouldn't cut her. Amen. When I say that, I'm playing around. I, 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 that's not serious. I'm just bopping around with you. Ain't we, you know, in love? You should know better by now. But sometimes you got to say it just so. You got to learn their love language. Amen. <laughs> it's all good. Learning how to communicate. My God, that's why I don't like preaching that much. Because you could say whatever, and folks come in with all kind of baggage and ways of how they define things. And then when they hear it, they're still not picking it up because they're trying to sort through and process and not get rid of their determination of, you know, keeping their definitions going. They got to put themselves aside and hear what thus saith the Lord and take it as it is, not change it, not sugarcoat it, not make it stronger than it is, all kinds of things. That's why people are out there unsaved and, and deceived and confused because they said God said this and that in the Bible and he didn't even say that. Sometimes uh, when God is, you know, showing us things in the word, he's just chronicling what sin did to man. He's just showing us a mirror of ourselves. But then people want to say, God did that. He's just a murderer. No, we are murderers because sin makes us do that kind of thing. That's why the Ten Commandments said, thou shalt not, what? Kill. Amen? Thank God. That number six, I believe, is it? Thank God. We can't be going around murdering. But that's what the devil does and all those other things in the commandments. God wants us to be turned around. The good news is that we can turn around. We can shine brightly for God. And that's going to happen by his spirit. But you got to first realize this. And you got to realize it on a first at, at a first hand kind of level. You got to know it for yourself. You got to know that you know that you know. It's got to happen to you. You got to learn this. 
you got to begin to realize how Jesus defined holiness. Let's talk about that. How Jesus defined holiness. Yes, because people in this world, they're defining it all kind of ways. The bottom line is that we cannot obtain the quality of heaven's salt and light as the content of our character that Christ is talking about in this scripture if we are not made whole. You can't have holiness without being made whole. Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. And until you accept the fact that you do not naturally measure up to the holy standard that the creator intended for us to have, you are living in disagreement with God. You will agree with definitions of holiness that are unacceptable to him. And as revealed throughout his holy word and inferred in today's scripture, we simply cannot be holy as he is holy until we are made whole. It all boils down uh, to the motives of our heart. See, folks can put on a facade, a face, whatever, but they can have certain intents of the heart. The Bible says that all the time. You see, the heart, that's where the real truth is. Characterization, when you look at stories, uh, fiction stories, where there are characters talking and such, characterization is, is this in simple terms. Uh, it, will, it will reveal what people do and how they do those things, what they say and how they say those things what people hear and how they hear those things. We could see the world in a certain way. Pastor Lisa preached some time ago when we were at that other location in uh, Patchogue Village about having you know, certain spectacles on. I think she had sunglasses, shades, certain shades. You know, and you're going you're gonna to see the world in that color. You're going to see the world from that venue. You're going to define things based on the condition of your character. Amen. So the Holy Ghost has always been trying to get this across to us. But will we ever listen? It's all about our internal and external responses. Something goes on on the inside and it works its way out on the outside. Uh, the what and how of our being is evidence of our heart's condition, what sort it is. What's your motive for anything and everything? That's how we need to start biblically examining ourselves. The Bible should examine us. I said, yes, you got to go through, through the Bible, but the Bible should be going through you, through every drawer of your imagination. Your secret thought life, it should go in every closet, my God, in your being, so that you will be made over. Then everything in you will be enabled by the Spirit of God to bless the Lord. And that scripture, bless, means serve the Lord. Worship is your, what you do in your whole life. We got to examine based on our whole life. When everybody says, amen, and we go home. Sometimes before amen, we already, as dad would say, cutting the monkey. My God. 
So we need to think about our whole life. I need the every hour. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. We got to keep coming to him. This examination must be developed as a foundation in the lives of everyone. See, that's why you don't throw away the Old Testament. It's the foundation of everyone. But more so in the lives of our progenitors, our parents. But being a parent is a ministry. See, this poses great concern when you begin to realize how ancestors and forefathers, generations both near and far, can affect us in how we develop our character. The doctor tried to tell me, because your dad had this and that, uh, it's inevitable, yet you're going to have this and that. I said, yes, but I don't have the same lifestyle that my dad had. Amen. I don't eat certain things that he ate. I don't eat how he ate. So what you are saying, that's not true. And he tried to base numbers on that. And I said, no, I'm not going to take all that medicine because basically I don't need it. And I proved to him, I went in a warfare. He don't know my character. You tell me that, I'm going to say, oh, oh, somebody done told you wrong. And every time he made the line that he crossed on the ground uh, a different spot, he said, well, can you cross this line? He was just trying to get me, you know, so that he could prescribe things that I didn't really need. But I thank God. I won the battle and left out of there. That last time he said, oh, you got to go all the way. How low can you go? How low can you go? I said, ah, I, I talked around town, and people are saying if they could have made it like three times ago what you were saying to me, their doctor would have took them off the meds. My God, you trying to get me way down here so you could lock me in. Because the woman, that, uh, the secretary that answered the phone when I canceled, she said, don't you need to come in and get your new prescribed medicine? I said, wait, first of all, it was supposed to have been a look to see if, but you have already solidified it according to your records. So, no, I will not be a calling you. And then I hung up and didn't ever call back. I was already in the process of getting a better doctor that didn't overprescribe. Amen. Overstepping the bounds. See, God had our parents to have a certain responsibility, but the devil came in with sin, and then everybody started overstepping their boundaries. Sin will cause that, and that's why there are what? Generational curses, my God, because sin is a stench. It's a reproach. It's a curse, and sin will make you do and say and act a certain way that wasn't what God intended. Remember, being holy begins with wholeness. I told you when Lisa and I met, God had to make us whole. I was crying before God in the belly of that whale, and when it spat me out, I made a three-day journey, and one day, I didn't look left or right. I just stuck to the ministry. And then they would come, the little henchmen, little henchettes would come around the house of God. Well, who's your girlfriend? Well, who's your girl? I said, the ministry is my girlfriend. They said, oh, you're deep. You're serious now. I said, yeah, better believe it. And I didn't look left or right. And others came, tried to make me look left or right, pull back, be hindered, be stymied, be stagnant, 
be complacent. I said, dude, can't do it. Busy, gotta go. Sorry, no. And then I was enabled by the Holy Ghost as he cleared the fogginess from my vision, and I was able to see where Lisa was. And I would never have found her had God not worked on me like that. Amen? She's the kind of woman you will never find as long as you live. Ah, you need a special anointing. Thank God. God anointed me so I could pull Excalibur out of the stone. I was enabled by God. I could do it. I could take the ring to Mordor and back. Amen. I was able through the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. God chose me. That's why she called me my prince. And I felt so special. And I still do. Amen. Thank God. The ring keeps going around and around, doesn't it? Eternal. Amen. But if folk come in in a carnal way and God didn't cause it to happen, great will be the fall of it. Amen. Built your house on, on sand, great will be the fall of it because the winds of adversity will come and it will fall. Winds have come and gone, and here we are, still standing. My God, we have all kind of challenges all around us, but we're still standing. Amen. I make sure before I leave work every day, God help me, that I could have a little kiss before I go. Amen. They had a, a, a news report that men who do that tend to live longer and because they're not getting to all kind of things and buying special things for their work wives. Yeah, Lisa and I don't like that. People like saying that work husband, work wife, all this kind of talk. My God, I said, no, I don't care what it is, a metaphor, whatever it is, no. Don't use that vernacular. God has given me a definition about life, and I'm using his dictionary. I'm going to define holiness the way Jesus defined it. Amen. So we got to live how God intended. God breaks the cycle that has been tarnished by sin, even in our family line. The Lord is seeking to save that which was lost in our holy character that God intended for us to have. And that's not just since Adam and Eve, but he is also seeking to correct what was wrongfully reinforced in generations very near to us. For in Proverbs 4.23, it is revealed that above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Amen? We are not to guard our heart like a watchdog. We should nurture it with gracious, loving care. That's what he means by that. We must watch over it prayerfully. From a biblical view, and that's how we should see life, with a biblical viewpoint. Amen. The enemy knows that God wants us to be the best person uh, he intended for us to be, which begins in the heart. So the devil fights tooth and nail. My God, he fights tooth and nail so that he could win over the heart. He wants the heart. He wants to make it all cloudy and confusing, a deceived kind of persona. Then he'll get us to consider alternatives away from God's holy intentions. 
You see, this scripture about the heart is not dealing with the emotions and feelings of the soul only. My God. It does have some beginnings there, but God does not let us station ourselves there. But the place where Christ should rule and reign, that's what the heart should be. He's trying to make it over, making you the best you he intended for you to be. Before salvation transforms the heart, it's desperately wicked. So God has to change it. Amen. God gives us a new heart of flesh which used to be a rebellious, unteachable stone, a desperately wicked heart. But he takes that heart, he molds us, he makes us over again until that heart is a heart of flesh. My God, it could be molded and made over at the hand of the potter from heaven. Thank God. And as we are yet living on this earth, uh, we are not yet saved from the presence of sin, are we? Uh, we, we, we must crucify our flesh every single day. This is why we need a refreshing, quiet time with God. He gives us instructions for each and every day, every minute, every second. Don't crucify your heart. Crucify your fleshly desires. What I say, don't crucify your heart. Crucify your fleshly desires desires. What are they? The innate sinful mind of craftiness that the devil uses to cause us to be pulled away from God's presence as we are drawn by our own natural desires and enticed to perform evil works. That's what the devil would have. But we must love ourselves as God would have it and not condemn ourselves as Satan would have it. Amen. We should be convicted with godly sorrow that leads to repentance away from sin to strategically submit to God's gracious salvation. Uh, the way you treat your heart is the way you will treat everyone else's. Think about it because that's how you see life. You were tricked and now you got to be tricky. My God, and folks don't know how tricky they tend to be. They have to go around trying to change folk. They have to drop words into someone's mind and spirit in hopes that if they keep dropping, the person will change according to what they think they should be doing. This is what people do when they want folks to measure up and gain favor in the eyesight of their view of life. They become the devil's henchmen. They are working from their flesh. They are working in rebellion against God. We should be building each other up in the most holy faith, not in how we see things, my God. We shouldn't oh God, become a tyrant about you know, town and being a tyrannical presence in, in our social circles. We want everyone to bow down before us. We have to be the preeminent one, the best one, the best dress, have the best stuff, my God. We have to be the top, uh, the, the one who is in charge, my God, large and in charge. And that's how the devil wanted to be. I will take over the very throne of God, and that's how the devil would have it. He wants us to do the same kind of thing. 
go against God's will. We don't listen to the spirit when we're like that. We're listening to our own flesh. And that's how the devil would have it. This is why God works overtime with the Holy Ghost to convince us and cause us to have a heavenly conviction. We will see that we're not measuring up in the ways that God would have. And then we approach God because he has that open door policy and we can approach him when we are calling on him for repentance, calling to be saved. We realize we're lost and in need of a savior and we begin to seek after him. Seek my face, hallelujah. Turn from your wicked ways. And you're gonna do that in a humble prayer and you're gonna, amen, search him. God said, you search for me, you're gonna find me. Thank God you lose your own lost way and then you're going to find what you should have had in the first place thank God this is what God wants us to do my God uh, so he wants to make us over so that we're not tolerant of sin anymore until we stop condoning sin and then living as so many do in these modern times oftentimes you will be a passive silent sympathizer of sin not saying anything, but oh, you are turned over to that thing. A very active partner of sin in fellowship of others who have chosen to follow suit in such deceit. You will not speak God's truth against sin with his purpose to gracious, uh, graciously shed love and the holy light of God to save a soul. You're about saving your own self and about acquiring things unto your own self. You could care less about, you know, anybody else. You will not live a life of heavenly savor, full of faithful, holy works, as one lives when they are transformed by the renewing of their mind, by that washing of the word. My God, the word will wash you and make you clean. And the enabling power of God will come and help you move in the direction of the Holy Ghost. It's an enabling power. And he will begin to be honored by you because you will, amen, honor the one saving you. Honor the one giving you that holy tutoring, if you will. You will honor the presence of the Holy Spirit at that moment. My God. But not many reach that moment. They can act as if they have. You may try to duplicate it, but you can't. My God, it's an act. People of God, it's time to take a stand. Are you the salt of the earth or not? Do you want to be the salt of the earth? What good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Remember the scripture said, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless according to Matthew 5.13. Unfortunately, many Christians today spend a lot of time and energy in making excuses because they have never broken through into a real heavenly offensive. Offensive means a military move wherein you're able to fight against the enemy. Thank God. A good fight of faith for God by the unlimited power of the Holy Spirit. The world has nothing that such a soul would want. This is why you will not be moved by the same buttons the devil used to be able to push and get you to do certain things for him. 
you will have been made over. Jesus will have stepped in and became strength in your weakness. Thank God. He will have helped you to redefine life. Thank God. The Bible will be the lamp uh, unto your feet and a light unto your path. And not just holding a Bible and having those pages in front of your eyes, but be, being enabled by the Holy Spirit to have the real author living on the inside of you. And, it's, and he's feeding your, your, your body and your soul with the good stuff from heaven and making it become stymied, my God, and standing still so that it could be brought under arrest so that you could move in God's spirit and be freed to worship God. Free to give God the glory. Freed to make God smile from heaven. Heaven, smile upon you and give you peace. Amen. You don't want to be at war with God. There's unlimited power in the Holy Ghost, but you can have him working on your behalf if you're not working against him. See, you will not want what the world has to offer. Souls fighting the good fight of faith are believers in holy faith. And that is as well authenticated as any solid fact of life. It's not just some hooky spooky thing that you can't prove. What you believe and the links in the chain of that evidence are clear and rational. Thank God. The Lord's real triumphant church needs to live their holy faith out loud against the devil's falsehood. The devil's falsehood is everywhere. My God, people are traveling with it. They don't leave home without it. It's in their phones, and uh, the devil is beaming it up, beaming it out, and folks are gobbling it up. My God, but God wants us to now have a new taste, a new definition, and then the church will be the church that has great victories of divine offense with noticeable but notable wisdom divine wisdom and sanctified strategy full of heaven's brightness and bold flavors that's what we need do you taste like heaven my god are you acting like heaven not just a put on but a come on it comes upon you it changes you amen and you will look at your hands and they will look new you will look at your feet and they will look new too this is not a time for the church to settle for a defensive holding action only. Just standing there, you know, fighting off the devil in one spot, trying to keep him from hitting you, just block, block, block. Yes, we need to block, but we need to do more than just block. God does not just need a military defense. He needs a military offense. Thank God. Souls that have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit into true Christendom must stop apologizing for their moral position in life and start making their voices heard, exposing sin as the enemy of the human race and setting forth righteousness and true holiness as the only worthy pursuits for moral beings living according to heaven's standard. And I agree with the late A.W. Tozer that if this does not happen, we can rest assured that historians will conclude that we of the 21st century of this third millennium had intelligence enough to create a so-called great civilization, but not the moral wisdom to preserve it. 
If Christ returns before the end of the 2000s, people of God, will he find faith in the earth? Will he? May his spirit send a revival. And may it begin in me. You need to say that with me. May his spirit send a revival. And may it begin in me. One more time. May his spirit send a revival. And may it begin in me. To properly live the gospel. What do you have to do? You must properly depend upon the power of God at all times. Don't leave a crevice for the devil to come in. Any little crack in your character, that's what he's looking for. Water can come into your roof. Any little crack it finds, it's going to come in. And a leaky roof you shall have. And the ceiling gonna, is going to cave in in a minute. Don't let the devil find a crack. No. Let Jesus repair every breach. Why? Because sin is shameful. But God's power of salvation can free us from the imprisoning death trap of sin. Because it makes you go around and around in a circle. Oh, I did it. I'm sorry. I did it. Oh, I'm, I'm, coming. I'm coming back, God. But we didn't really come all the way. We kind of came to God and kind of went on back, back around and found the thing again. Because the thing found a crack, that same crack, and it made the crack become a big hole. My God. But we need to really go to God. I mean, really go to him. And he's going to replace, take that out of your hands. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, because you're holding sin. Sin is a stench. It's like your little kid. You didn't know that was goose poop in the park, but you went on ahead and picked it up. Look, mommy, look what I found. But God is saying, no, that's bad. Put that, take that out. I'm going to clean your hands. Don't mamas and daddies clean the hands of the baby? They don't say, go ahead and eat lunch. Never mind all that washing stuff. No, God is like a good parent. He's going to clean your hands if there's sin on them. He's going to purify your heart if you're double-minded. Thank God. That's the kind of God we have. Wants us saved from the death trap of sin. He wants to help us to overcome it. Jesus depended on the Holy Ghost. Did you know that? Guess who else has to depend on the Holy Ghost? We do. He's Jesus. He came in the form of man. He showed us we need the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the one that sent him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. My God, why would the Holy Ghost do that? My God, he had to show us, my God, on how you can defeat the devil. The devil misuses the word of God, but you're going to use the word of God. My God, he will misinterpret the word of God, but you're going to interpret the word of God. Hallelujah. With the power of the Holy Ghost behind you. Hallelujah. Because the living truth will come and destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let the Holy Ghost do his job in your life. He's supposed to be your life coach. He's supposed to be the tutor in your life journey of faith. Faith is your ability to allow the Holy Ghost to come in and show you how to trust God in everything. Faith, thank God, it's tying you to God. God is gifting you with the open door of his hand of mercy 
and the gracious power to be changed, transformed. And he gives you whatever you need to succeed in this life here on earth. That's faith in a nutshell. Amen. People are saying they have faith, but they, they are defining that wrong. Every step in this journey of faith can be a prosperous step if we allow the living word, capital L, capital W, the living word to be the lamp that guides our feet. Who is the living word? What's his name? Jesus. Amen. Our faith story on this side of heaven can have a sum total of a glorious work as purposed by the sure foundation of the authoritative, infallible, immutable, eternal, holy word of God, which is the light unto our path to be with Jesus. We're on a path to be with who? Jesus. How long? Just a little bit? No, forever and ever. Somebody say hallelujah and amen. Hallelujah and what? Amen. Rest on your feet and give God a praise for being our definer of life, giving us direction, giving us understanding, giving us power to be freed from the clutches of sin. Isn't God good? Isn't he your redeemer? Is he your savior forever? Hallelujah. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church Pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.